1: and our wonderful editor, Julia W.D. Harrison. Lynn Ponton and I, Jennifer Wong, are the executive producers.
0: Yo. There are certain things that I can talk to you about that I can't really with my dad. I don't think we should talk about this.
1: Hi, welcome to Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen. I'm Jen, and I'm here with Lynn.
0: Hi, Jen. I'm looking forward to our topic
1: Yeah, we've got a good one today. So today's Spotlight on Sex, we're going to be talking about something that's been kind of all over the news. And it's really about the case, the court case surrounding Taylor Swift and the former DJ. And I thought we could start out by giving a little bit of background for those who maybe don't know as much about what's going on. So what happened was that Taylor Swift claimed that in 2013, the former DJ groped her by grabbing her butt under her skirt. And while she did not sue at that time or pursue anything, she did tell her like security people and they escorted the DJ out of the meet and greet that she was at. And when it came to light that he had assaulted her, he was fired from his job. And in 2015, The former DJ decided to sue Taylor Swift for defamation, and Taylor Swift countersued him for a dollar for assault and battery, saying that she wanted it to serve as an example to other women who may resist publicly reliving similar outrageous and humiliating acts. And this is a really powerful thing, certainly this type of thing has happened before, but one of the things that makes this stand out so much is that Taylor Swift is very well-known she has millions of fans, many of who are young girls. And I think also by her not seeking, you know, exorbitant legal damages for her experience, she really keeps the conversation focused on the original issue, which is the respect or disrespect of a person's body and space. And that this type of behavior, that is the groping, the assault on her is really inappropriate behavior.
0: It's a very important introduction, Jen, and uh, I think to follow up on the word assault, I think a lot of, of women, you know, it's hard to think of something we all experience because during this past year it's been talked about with sight every woman, and it is every woman has experienced this type of harassment and physical assault. But um, it is assault when someone gropes your body because it's an assault in a legal definition form and qualifies that way. And also in a personal definition, it's an attack on your body. It violates your body form, your body space. You perceive it as an attack. So you tighten down, respond to it as if somebody was hitting you or smacking you in the face you know, grabbing your butt is just, if not more, attacking and really attacks your personal space in a very, very personal way. But women are accommodated to it, and even girls learn to become accommodated to it. So it's very important what we see here that Taylor Smith is able to push this issue. Well, I
1: think yeah, absolutely. And to piggyback on on what you were bringing up, that you know all women experience this. I think it's also important to highlight that not only do women experience this, but they experience it often very young. And it brings me back to I don't know if we talked about this yet, but I'm just going to bring it up anyways. There was what is her name, Kelly Oxford on Twitter. She had posted. A tweet that said, tweet me about your first assaults. And she went first and talked about how her first sexual assault happened when she was 12. And then she went through and listed, I think it was like five different assaults that had happened to her all by the time she was 15. And I think, and sh- the hashtag she had used was not okay. So hashtag not okay. And I think that's really powerful because A lot of times we're not having these conversations about how this happens until kids get into high school. And the truth is a lot of this happens a lot younger. And when there isn't the awareness about it, not only do you feel terrible, but a lot of women feel very guilty or girls feel very guilty. They feel that they are to blame and then they don't speak out about it. They're embarrassed that it happened to them instead of upset and angry and justifiably so
0: and it brings up the need for early education, early intervention. I think it's important for kids out there who are listening and parents uh, to be aware of. Schools need educational plans that target assault early on, and that has to happen in elementary school, because by middle school, as you report, There are countless assaults that have really already taken place with girls. Um, Nan Stein at the Wellesley uh, University, really in their special center focused on women's issues, developed a whole number of sexual assault programs and sexual harassment programs directed at young girls and boys who have to be educated. And schools can obtain these interventions and really enact them and make sure that their students are educated.
1: And I think part of that education, we talk about it a lot, is body boundaries. I think the other part of the education piece that was sort of warped was a lot of the education was about teaching girls how to be safe or how to prevent and protect themselves from these things instead of focusing really on the message of everybody needs to respect everybody
0: else's body boundaries. Exactly. And it would be many of the earlier interventions looked at, don't wear short shorts, don't wear short skirts, you're going to bring this on, instead of what we clearly see here that any touching is not okay. Even if the woman is or the girl is drunk or sleeping or anything, it's not an excuse to touch. Or I would say it's especially Especially not not an excuse to touch. Exactly. And I think that point has been allowed, you know, come forward with several recent legal cases, the one in Stanford particularly. I know that
1: one is I just feel so disgusted when I think about the way that played
0: out. Just, you know, maybe for our listeners to know a little bit about it. I've testified in a lot of legal cases around sexual harassment, assault of girls and repeatedly. You know, attorneys will ask over and over again. They still do not view this as assault, but legally it is. It's very important, I think, for our listeners to be aware of this. But it's, you know, defined as, oh, it was just touching. You know, just touching is sexual assault. Right. And I think that's so important for people to be aware of. And it's offset against penetration which of course is a very significant violation, but so is just touching.
1: So is just touching. And I think along those lines, one of the things we can add to this conversation about this whole lawsuit and and everything around it is, I think, as therapists or, you know, you're a psychiatrist, but you do therapy, I think we can really talk about the post-traumatic stress disorder that happens around it. I think a lot of times people look at it as, quote, just touching. And because of that, they don't understand and they feel people are overreacting when they have a trauma reaction to it.
0: Right. And and for... Listeners to be aware of again, much of PTSD is chronic, and this behavior is chronic. Our young girls are growing up exposed to this multiple times each year, and this is a chronic behavior which leads to a chronic accommodation and condition. Post traumatic stress disorder, as defined currently, you know, really says that you have to have sexual. Uh, trauma or violence, so all of this, any sexual touching is defined or violation of body boundaries meets that criteria. So I think for parents and for teenagers to be aware of that, and here again, even in court, they'll ask, well, this wasn't a penetration, you know, there wasn't hitting involved with this, but it doesn't matter. It really is, it meets the criteria, and it is a very extreme violation.
1: Well, not only is it a very extreme violation, one of the things that I learned when I was researching PTSD, because I have a lot of clients who are dealing with yes, this, unfortunately, yes. is, I don't know if you were aware, but the Greek root for for trauma comes from the word wound. And so it really acknowledges that you can get, you know, obviously the physical wounds, but also these mental wounds that are very deeply scarring. And I think one of the thing that is most striking and that I work a lot with my patients on is that with these mental wounds are the cognitions that change. So your thoughts, your belief about how the world is, about how people are, and about how you deal with things, all of that shifts. And I think one of the hardest things is that it's very hard to break out of that because it's a wound that other people can't see. And so they sort of dismiss it, or they just don't understand it. And so then you feel left very alone with your problems. And then on top of that is the fact that as part of the PTSD, you do want to isolate because you don't want to have anything that reminds you of that experience come up. And that's called a trigger. And And so you avoid people that remind you of things like that. You re- You avoid situations, places. You try to avoid thinking about these things in your mind and it keeps you from being able to craft a narrative where you can be a survivor of your experience.
0: That uh, accommodation to trauma And that's the process that happens. It's really about constructions in your own mind that really, unfortunately, allow us to be accommodated to a traumatic, repetitive trauma. That is a fairly recent uh, consideration in our fields. And it's a change, I think, with people realizing just what you're saying. The major shift is actually in our own brains with trauma. And it's this process of accommodation, avoidance you know, hyper-physical reaction, which is also seen hyper-vigilance, hyper-alert. But this change in our thinking pattern, and especially for women, you know, the women we work with, I see countless young women who've been sexually abused, and it's their thinking pattern that's changed to accommodate to repetitive trauma. And that's the key thing. Much more so, you know, initially PTSD was diagnosed around vets, male vets and shell shock, and it was responded about kind of flashbacks. That's not what we see so much with women. Instead, we see hidden anger and this kind of construction that layers over the top and really hides the trauma.
1: And I want to build on that with the anger, too, because... The thing is that anger is a healthy response insofar as anger is an emotion that is about boundaries and boundary violations. And obviously, if you're being assaulted, that is a huge boundary violation. And at the same time, a lot of these women are unable to acknowledge or accept their anger. And so they suppress it. And I think that can be very hard because then they feel like they're bad or they're to blame or something's wrong with them because they're angry. And you get lost in this web of, well, the anger is an appropriate response because your boundary has been crossed and violated. And at the same time, if you don't have that anger, a lot of times you don't have the fuel to to have the energy to fight all these things that are happening
0: around right. you. And to bring us back to Taylor Smith, I think when someone speaks out and you see it, and you see it online, in print, in various formats, it really helps women to understand what they're feeling. Why are they angry? Why do they have these strange constructions about harassment, where, that it's okay and that they can handle it and that every, it happens to everyone and it's a normalization? You know, and it's so important that we really begin to question that. And her case really does that so wonderfully. She has a lot of power and she's very young and she follows through on it.
1: And I think she, she is very assertive. She has self confidence and she has economic power, which yes. gives her actual power in our world. And I think one of the things that if, if people forget, some of what is going on. I think one of the things that we absolutely have to hang on to is is one of the things she's quoted as saying, and I'm just going to read it here. She says, I am not going to allow your client to make me feel like it is in any way my fault, because it isn't. He and you are suing me, and I'm being blamed for the unfortunate events of his life that are a product of his decisions, not mine. And I think when we're coming... When we're doing therapy, in some ways, that is our goal for our client, is understanding that they are not to blame and that the other person is responsible for the actions that they took.
0: But, you know, Jennifer, you bring up, here's the man. It's very important to say this DJ sued
1: her. Her,
0: right. He sued her justifying his situation right. before she came forward and countersued. And this is what I think so many women are afraid of. If I yeah. do speak out, yeah. I'm going to be sued. I'm going to be shamed. I'm going to be slutted. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the process that speaking out really leads to in many ways. And it's very important we have more women come forward like this and really say, this This is not okay.
1: It's not okay. And I think
0: what's what's really
1: striking about it, too, is when you have a more celebrity-type person come out Openly against some version of sexual violence or sexual assault, the number of phone calls made from just, you know, us people about personal experiences, it increases. So it's really powerful that somebody with that kind of spotlight and publicity be taking this role and showing a different way to respond and, and really raising opportunities for these conversations, because she sued him for a dollar, so obviously it's not about the money here, and she's in a position
0: which she acknowledges where she can do that. So in that way, it's still about the money. She needs the the money to have the power to do that in our system, and there aren't class action suits yet for young women under 16 suing in high schools. There should be, you know, because that's really the type of uh, activity that should be covered under a class action. One thing I'd like to commend to is her mother. Mm-hmm. Her mother spoke out for her. Her mother is still being sued by the DJ uh, for his uh, loss of his position. So, uh, but it's an example of female generations bonding together to really fight back with this type of activity. And I know a lot of mothers listen and they wonder how could they help their daughters out there.
1: Yeah, I think by supporting your daughter through this process or your son. I think also another thing to bring up around this is you were talking about the the aggressor's response. And I think a lot of times what's really interesting is that they are the ones aggressively suing or they are the ones constantly trying to paint the picture of the victim misrepresenting facts or the victim lying about things. And I think it's such an interesting stance from a psychological perspective that, and I'm sure you see that in the courts too, is that they try to present these girls or boys as lying, untrustworthy, misrepresenting things.
0: And it it brings up how few children, boys or girls, make false allegations about sexual assault. You know, it's really maybe 95% of children are telling the truth but if we look at those who abuse i would say it's 95% of them lie you know about the situation so i think that's the assumption that they're going to lie and to justify their behavior um we're now beginning to see that we're understanding that children are very good witnesses that they do understand the truth they do tell the truth and they wouldn't come forward about this if it hadn't happened you know i think at least in this situation No one seems to doubt Taylor Smith that it actually happened. Why would she come forward and say this, you know, to her bodyguards had it not, you know? Well, I actually
1: think it's interesting you bring that up because if you look at a lot of different forums, there are a lot of people who doubt her and there are a lot of people who are questioning her. And I think it's very interesting because a lot of times those responses fall along gender lines.
0: Exactly. And that's why I brought this up, Was why would you doubt? Well, they do doubt. And in court, they repeatedly ask female and male victims, you know, are you telling the truth? They point out any lack of credibility that the victim might have, you know, so it's a way to really discredit the stories that are coming forward. But it is changing. And you get crossover comparison, two girls, three girls will back each other up. Because often those who assault do not do it on a single occasion. You know, I can rest right. assured that this DJ has done this to other people. This is not a first-time yeah. situation. Yeah. So it's a repeated activity directed at women and self-justified. The other thing, yes, individuals do fight in court and with the state to maintain their licenses, teaching licenses after abuse they justify this behavior, and they will spend their lives fighting, you know, to say that this is okay. And that's really what Taylor Smith speaks out against. It's a whole group, large group, who believes that this is okay.
1: Yeah, I mean I think that's the biggest thing is is because of the way this was done the focus is really on the behavior and that it is not okay and that as a society it really needs to be pushed that it is not okay and and that in all the different areas where things can how do I say this in all the different areas where there is influence so publicly legally in all these different arenas, the, the constant message needs to be, this is not okay.
0: Yes, and you see it. This is She gives a strong message. Uh, organizations like Girls, Inc. that work to support girls, their harassment programs in the schools are part of that. And then many of the state attorney generals are trying to get harassers and uh, out of the school. So yeah. they're confronting these people trying to take away licenses and trying to push this. So I think for people to know this legal process is going on is really important and to support it. I think
1: so. And I think the other, the other aspect of it that, at least for me, is very disturbing is that a lot of these incidents don't happen sort of in closed quarters, out of sight. A lot of these groping type of assaults, they happen on the bus, in public, you know, in the club, standing in the grocery store. So it really creates an environment where where even just a public space really doesn't feel safe.
0: And this brings us back to PTSD, because when you witness another person being assaulted, and uh, Seventeen Magazine, a number of years ago, asked girls had they witnessed their friends being physically assaulted, their girlfriends, and they stated 99% had seen it. So I think if we look, we can see it, and we can also speak out to support others.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's, that's a big part of it, is that everybody needs to do their part to not be silent.
0: Yeah. And yeah. To, to stand up and say, this is not okay. Well, this is a great idea for a podcast, and we're going to follow up on others, I think, related to this. But again, to commend Taylor Smith and her mother and others for really supporting her. It's really great, and it makes a, a big difference.
1: It does, and it opens up conversations like the one we're having today. Yeah. So thank you, Lynn.
0: Thank you. Come on, let's
1: talk about sex.